1: Welcome to the Indo Podcast. I'm Isaac, your host, and with me today, it's Jake. Hi, guys. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's the week before Christmas, and, you know, we know everyone is super busy with, you know, parties, shopping, preparation, you know, gathering with the family, stuff like that. However, we do have an awesome episode for you today. Um, who would have thought that I would have the chance to chat with Sean McDowell? Yeah, dude, that's crazy. It was you a lot told of fun. me
2: like to come in and record, and I was like, "Whoa, the uh, Sean McDowell!" The the Sean you know, McDowell? No, no. It, I mean, we're not trying to idolize
1: him or anything like that, but he's a great uh, apologist from from the states. Uh, he just does a great job with the different things that he writes and presents and stuff like that. Uh, so I had an awesome opportunity to chat with him a little bit about the historical Jesus. So sort of, you know, how, how we can trust that he really lived and that he really died and that he really rose again. And I thought this would be perfect before Christmas because if you are hoping to maybe uh, evangelize this Christmas, you know, especially in our kind of postmodern, very scientific world, then it'd be awesome to have some arguments um, for how we can actually know that Jesus was a legit guy who was born and lived, died, rose again. And anyway, Sean did a great job explaining those things. So uh, let's get into my conversation with Sean McDowell. Well, I'm in the studio today with uh, a man by the name of Sean McDowell. Sean is a gifted Christian leader and speaker, and is quite well known for speaking on apologetics. Anyways, uh, great to have you on the show today, Sean.
0: Oh, thanks for having me, Isaac. You bet.
1: Um, I, I saw on your site, seanmcdowell.org, that in uh, 2014 you earned a, a PhD in apologetics and worldview studies from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. I just wanted it. when I read that I was like, oh man, how was that? How was that journey? <laughs>
0: Well, it's honestly one of the hardest things I've ever done because I did it in my 30s with young kids and a full-time job. And it yeah. was early mornings and late nights. And so it was tough, but it's certainly rewarding. And I learned learned a lot that helped me in my life and ministry.
1: Oh, that's great. that That's really good. I've heard good things uh, coming out of that uh, seminary as well. Um, and although you have never actually seen me, I actually have seen you in person um, because I was at the Apologetics Canada conference a couple of years ago and, uh, and you, you were one of the featured speakers and I, I really loved your presentation because you sort of put on the act as an atheist and you just had people ask you questions. And I don't know if you uh-huh. remember that, but it was great. It was, it was a lot of fun.
0: Oh, I, I remember that well. Yeah, that is my favorite presentation to do. It kind of stirs people up. And it does. It- and then
1: <laughs> what I think is the funniest thing, though, is that after we finished, or after I guess you finished the, the you know, kind of putting on this atheist thing, you sort of told all of us, you're like, you know, I, I know I sounded very, uh, you know, believable, but I was just kind of making things up as
0: well. <laughs> yeah, some things I do. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Part part of the spiel of that is just to get people thinking, okay, do I really know what I believe and why? Yeah. Yeah manipulate the conversation and take it off track and people at the end kind of go, whoa, I need to really think through how I have conversations and whether I'm ready or not to defend my faith. Yeah,
1: no, that's great. Um, And and also, I'd say that um, Andy Steiger was just in our offices this week. Uh, He did a week-long series with the Bible teacher here and um, we got his book and I noticed that you wrote the foreword to his book, Thinking, so that's also pretty cool.
0: Oh, I did. His book is fantastic. So I'm happy to do it. Oh, that, that that's great. Anyways,
1: uh, today to our listeners, I want to talk with Sean, or I guess rather hear from Sean quickly, uh, uh, just about the historical Jesus. And I know this is a huge topic and we're going to just try to condense it down in about a 25 minute uh, quick conversation. Uh, but the fact is, you know, Jesus was a literal human being who really died and really rose again. But um, before we jump in, Sean, I've heard a little bit, but just in a few sentences, could you just kind of let us know who you are a little bit, bit more? We we heard slightly that you had uh, some kids and a, and a family, but just, yeah, quickly just give us a, let's put a little bit of life to this voice.
0: Yeah, sure. I, I live in Southern California, and I teach full-time at Biola University in a graduate apologetics program, mm. and uh, I also teach high school part-time. I did that 10 years full-time high school at a Christian school. And I, I just stay there cause my kids are there and I love hanging out with high school students. So I teach a couple classes on worldview, Bible theology, and then I get a little chance to speak and write and do cool podcasts like this. But, uh, I also have a one wife and three kids that probably keep me busier than anything else.
1: <laughs> that is awesome. Well, well it is Christmas time now, and, and unfortunately, you know, C- Christmas is not really a time when many people, I mean if you think of the entire world, especially North America, I guess in a sense, they actually consider the real purpose of it. And I know this sounds, Sean, almost kind of ridiculous to say this, but you know, why exactly do we even celebrate Christmas? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think it sounds ridiculous at all. Even within the church, I mm. think we can easily lose the focus onto material things and just kind of a break from the busyness and mm-hmm. all those things maybe, you know, have their place. But Christmas is about the birth of Christ. Mm. I mean, it literally is the time that we believe the eternal self-existent creator of the universe stepped into human—into history— took on human flesh in preparation to ultimately die for us and enable us to be in relationship with with God. So Christmas is the time that we celebrate the birth of our savior. So it's kind of kind of a big deal that we enjoy the season but also exactly remember why and not lose that amidst, you know, all the I don't know distractions that can be around us.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. What do you? What I mean? What, do you do anything special with your your family personally, like during Christmas time, to help you guys sort of just remind you what this season is really for? Or,
0: you know, one thing we've done a number of years, usually when we're with the McDowell side of families, we just have a birthday party for Jesus <laughs> the night night before Christmas. It's just something fun that we kind of done as a family, and we get a cake and read either the uh, first chapter two of Luke or Matthew, and uh, sing happy birthday to Jesus.
1: That's awesome. That's great. (laughs) Um, A couple years ago, my my birthday is actually on Christmas Eve, um, so that's sort of been a a funny thing throughout my life, but uh, the other day, or not the other day, a few years ago, my sister got me a card with a little pin that says, uh, it's my birthday to Jesus, and I didn't really like it. I was like, I would rather the glory go to Jesus, not me, but (laughs) (laughs) anyways. Um, now, th- there are many views on Jesus. I mean, I actually just, uh, I don't know, a month ago, I actually listened to a interview you were on uh, uh, with Unbelievable, which is one of my favorite podcasts, uh, and you were uh, talking with, a—I think, Ken Humphreys uh, who's a Jesus mythicist, and that's one view uh, of many. It was a good conversation. You did a very good job, uh, Sean. Uh, but I mean, where do most people sit in regards to their understanding and beliefs of Jesus? And I know there's many, but where, where's the majority of people sit in regards to what they believe about Jesus?
0: Well, I think if you ask, you saw studies, most people would probably say at least a good amount of people would say, oh, yeah, Jesus is the son of God and he worked miracles. And I, I think people would still concede to that story. But that's very different to me than answering a survey saying you believe it. Hmm. And really living your life as if you believe he's God who stepped in human flesh.
2: Hmm.
0: If we really believe in that sense, I think it's a minority in the States and Canada and probably beyond. I think most people just get their ideas from kind of the culture. I mean, Jesus said we're sheep, (laughs) you know? Biblical literacy shows that very few people even understand the heart of the gospel. There was a study, I think it was out of LifeWay, just a a while ago, and it it talked about the high percentages of people who believed that salvation is by works and that people from different faiths get to heaven. And so when I see these studies where people say, yes, I believe Jesus is born of a virgin and I believe he's the son of God, I always just qualify that in my mind with the other studies I've seen where people as a whole, just have bad theology. Mm. So frankly, I don't think most people really understand why did Jesus have to be born of a virgin? What really makes distinct from other religious leaders? What is the incarnation all about? I'm just not convinced most people in our culture and frankly, a good chunk of people in the church even really grasp why those are so important.
1: Yeah, no, that's good. And I mean, you, you've you obviously, you're in the kind of scholarly academic world as well uh, with the work that you do and the ministry that you have. When we look at scholars, uh, secular scholars as well, non-Christian scholars, d- do most even b- just believe that Jesus was ac- existed and, and said those things that are recorded in
0: the Gospels? Well, those are two very different questions. Hmm certainly the vast majority of historians and historical Jesus scholars, no matter where they are on the spectrum, from the far left to the far right, believe that Jesus existed. Mm. I think you count on one hand, maybe necessarily two hands, the number of people with actual degrees that are scholars that doubt the existence of Jesus. I mean, those kind of movements make a little bit of steam online, kind of this mythicist movement, whether it was in a you know, just religious by Bill Maher or um, kind of some of these popular movies, Zeitgeist that was online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Scholars almost unanimously reject that for a variety of reasons. Now, the second question that you mentioned, do they believe that he wrote what's in the Gospels? That's where it gets a little bit trickier. And that's where there's a big difference between saying Jesus exists and said some things and Jesus existed and said these particular things. So a lot right. of scholars look at, they, they they wouldn't look at the Bible as entirely true or as entirely false. Mm-hmm. They would look at it and say, there's probably some underlying historical core that's here. The question is, what gets back to the original Jesus? Right. And how much was kind of invented or changed intentionally or unintentionally by the scribes or by the early church? Those kind of questions get a little bit, convoluted and that's where scholars will write these papers and go to coverages and nuance different things. Um so what for example, one thing scholars will do is they'll say if something is if it's multiply attested, Mm -hmm. then they think it's more likely to be true. Right. You know, the death of Jesus is in all four gospels and it's in Paul's writings. Peter mentions it. It's mostly attested, so there's very little doubt that Jesus died. Now, his birth, his virgin birth, is mentioned in probably Matthew and Luke, possibly hinted at in John, but not as frequently as his death. Now, I totally believe it and think it happened, but scholars who look at this will go, huh, how come Mark doesn't mention it? Maybe he wasn't aware of it. Maybe, you know, I mean, they start just coming up with all these arguments. Sure. So that's kind of how it gets a little difficult when you get into the scholarly world, so to speak.
1: No, that, that's very helpful. Um, and you sort of touched on it, but m- the next three questions I have, just so I it's in your mind now, I'm going to ask, you know, how can we know Jesus was an actual historical person who, who really lived? Uh, and then I'll ask, how do we know Jesus died? And then how do we know Jesus rose again? So just so you know those three. So. You know, you say that most scholars unanimously, whether they're far left, far right, they will believe that Jesus actually lived. So I guess what are some of those reasons, I guess, uh, not proofs, but maybe evidence of how we know he really lived?
0: Yeah, I would say one is that it is multiply attested. Mm -hmm. We have four biographies of Jesus within the century in which he lived. This is very rare. For a lot of historical figures, we have one, sometimes a century or two removed. I mean, Alexander the Great is probably three or four centuries later. We have four within the lifetime of Jesus. Wow. And they all obviously imply that he lived. But we also have the writings of, say, uh, I'm sorry, that they all indicate that he, he, he died on the cross as well. Mm-hmm. Matthew, Luke, and John. And then we also have 1 Corinthians 15, which is uh, Paul's rendition where he says Jesus lived, he died, he was buried, rose on the third day. We have Paul writing this in the mid-50s, and then we have extra biblical sources like Josephus, the end of the first century, Tacitus, the early second century. We have early church fathers mentioning this. I mean, it's unanimous that Jesus not only lived, but died, and some even specifically mention how he died by crucifixion. Hmm. And the other thing to keep in mind is a crucifixion was considered... It, it was like a shameful way to die. It was embarrassing for the early church to have a savior who died in a humiliating manner. Right. So this fits what's called the criteria of embarrassment. Why would somebody invent that their savior died by crucifixion and was arguably cursed by God? That makes no sense. Good point. So that, that gives some credibility to say, look, these people aren't making this up. This is really what goes back the original Jesus, then I think we can even look at medical evidence where John describes that blood and water comes out. And there was a journal in 1986, Journal of the American Medical Association, that showed at the kind of death that Jesus suffered, there's a, a fluid that surrounds the heart called the pericardial sac. And out of that comes a watery type fluid. If somebody was poked with a spear, blood and water would come out as wow. John reports in John 19. So there's just multiple lines of evidence that tell us Jesus lived and that he specifically died the way the gospels report.
1: Yeah, no, that's good. And then, so, okay, the last question then, how, how, how can we know, or how do Christians put their trust in the fact that Jesus rose again, if we're looking at it kind of through a scholarly lens?
0: Yeah, so what we have to do is, scholars will use different criteria to try to assess whether events in the gospels are true. You and I know the gospels in their entirety are from God and inspired, Yes. but scholars will look at this through a critical lens. And when it comes to the resurrection, they'll say, okay, what reason do we have? We know Jesus lived. We know Jesus died. What reason do we have to think he actually appeared to people? And if those three things are true, the resurrection is clearly the best explanation. Hmm. So let's take the appearances. Do we have early appearances of Jesus? Absolutely we do. The first appearance is in 1 Corinthians 15, again, written two decades after the death of Jesus. Yeah where it specifically says Jesus appears to Peter, he appears to the 12, he appears to the 500. And then Paul says, at James, and he also appears to me. So we have an early record of multiple appearances by Jesus. The appearances are recorded in all four of the gospels. So it's early and it's multiply attested. And then we also have Jesus appearing to people who were skeptics and doubters. You have him appearing to Thomas, who didn't believe before. And James interestingly enough, we're told that the brothers of Jesus in John chapter seven tried to trick him, didn't believe in him, even potentially to get killed in Judea. Hmm. All of a sudden, James becomes a leader of the early church. Well, the best explanation is clearly that Jesus appeared to him. Hmm. So the, I guess the evidence for appearances is it's multiply attested. we have to women, which, by the way, when it records the, uh, the appearance to women, why would the apostles make up that the first appearance was to women when in that culture, women were on the lowest social ladder right. in terms of their respectability and willingness to testify in a court of law? That's just not the kind of thing that they would invent. It almost yet, be the embarrassment thing again. It's the embarrassment thing again, just like the crucifixion. So multiply tested, embarrassing. We have skeptics who believe. And frankly, for those who don't accept the resurrection, they have to say, no, Jesus didn't appear to people. Here's a better explanation. Mm. And there is no better explanation that can account for all the facts that we know better than the resurrection itself.
1: That's good. And, and, and recently when I was listening to you on uh, on another uh, podcast, uh, they had talked about this new, this book that you, I don't know if you've already written it or you're writing it about martyrs. Is that true?
0: Yes, I, that was actually based on my dissertation. It's an academic book that came out uh, just about a year ago.
1: Okay, so and that, so that's another g- obviously good uh, uh, point of evidence to see these men who d- died because of their you know belief in Jesus as well.
0: Yeah, what I was doing is analyzing the the, the apostles, the twelve apostles, and then James and Paul and asking what actually happened to their fates. Because we know from the earliest records that they were eyewitnesses of Jesus. Mm -hmm. To believe in Jesus was to believe that he had risen from the grave. But then the question is, how sincerely did they really believe this? Right. Well, you look in the beginning of Acts and they're thrown in prison, they're threatened, they're beaten, we see Stephen killed, James son of Zebedee killed in Acts 12, All the accounts are that the apostles are willing to suffer and die Mm -hmm. for the belief that they'd seen the risen Jesus. Now, some of these accounts, like the death of Bartholomew and Simon, they come a little later, so it's hard to know when fact ends and fiction begins, but we know that they all saw the risen Jesus. They claim to see him. They're willing to suffer and die for this, and we know that some of them with confidence, like I think both James and Paul and Peter really in fact died as martyrs and Thomas Andrew may have as well. So it just shows they're not liars. They weren't inventing this. They really believed they had seen the risen Jesus. Yeah,
1: and, and you know, in hearing that, Sean, I, I think it's a great piece of evidence, but what would you say to, let's say, a student who comes up to you and just says like, well, you know, what about, let's say, uh, ISIS or or something today where they, they also will willingly go and, and literally die. Uh, for what they believe, it doesn't mean it's it's true. How would you kind of respond to that?
0: So ISIS or the terrorists who died at 9-11, they were not first hand eyewitnesses of mm. any miracles or the events of Muhammad. They have received things third, fourth, fifth, sixth hand at best. Mm. Yes. Death just shows that they believe it. But the apostles were eyewitnesses. They did not receive this second hand. Yeah. So it doesn't prove that it's true. All it proves is the depth of their sincerity as the first witnesses to the risen Jesus. So if someone walks in my room and puts a gun on my head and says, Sean, do you believe this? And I die. You know, all you might say on your show is, "Guy, that guy, Sean, he really believed it. He went, <laughs> you know, good for him. That, that's no evidence whatsoever for Christianity. It just shows, mm-hmm. wow, that guy had conviction. I wasn't a witness of the risen Jesus. Yeah. The 12 apostles were. James was. Paul was. Yeah. So their lives and willingness to suffer show something very different than modern day people, whether Christian, Muslim, or any other faith.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's very good, Sean. Hey, and if someone's listening uh, and they, they want to dig more into the historical Jesus, can you recommend any uh, books or even blogs or websites that people can get kind of get more information on what you're talking about?
0: Yeah, for starters, I just go to the classic book, More Than a Carpenter. My dad wrote years ago. I helped him update about five years ago. Simple, quick, easy book. We walk in the resurrection, the reliability scriptures, the deity of Christ. You can read it in two hours. It's couched (laughs) around my dad's story. So it's really interesting. That's just a great place to start. Cool. And then um, if you come to seanmcdowell.org, I've got a ton of articles, blogs, and even some other books there on the historical Jesus that I could link you to, if you want an academic book, the one I would recommend is called The Jesus Legend. I didn't write it. Uh, Paul Rhodes Eddy and Gregory Boyd, The Jesus Legend is a scholarly book. It's my single favorite scholarly book on the historical Jesus. So start with more than a carpenter. If you wanna go deeper, check out uh, The Jesus Legend.
1: Oh, that's great. And I'll put those links there for our listeners. Um, Lastly, Sean, how would you encourage uh, Christians uh, this season to engage people with with the gospel and and more specifically with the historical Jesus?
0: You know, I think the best way is just to ask questions and really be willing to listen. So simple questions like, how does your family celebrate Christmas? Is there a spiritual element Mm. in your family? Do you think Christmas, you really, do you believe the Christmas story that Jesus Christ came down and died? Why, why or why not? I mean, I've just found Genuine questions are some of the best ways to engage people, but also it's a natural season. We shouldn't be afraid to have conversations. It's kind of expected because it's on the cultural forefront of conversation, Yeah. so it's a natural opportunity just to to engage people. I say go for it.
1: That's good. That's there. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sean. And, and to our listeners, you can find more about Sean, like he said, at seanmcdowell.org. I'll, I'll be putting putting the links on the podcast episode page. But anyways, thank you again, Sean. I know that was a quick conversation, but you did give a lot. And I think it's a lot for uh, for me to listen to and take in and, and critically think about and to our listeners as well. Anyways, I, I hope to have you back soon.
0: Hey, Isaac, thanks for having me. That was a lot of fun.
2: You know, we as Christians tend to have an inability to separate a historical and biblical Jesus. Do you know what I mean? Right. The inappropriateness of doing that, like some people right. think for, you know, because it, it is who he is, I right. guess. Um, and sometimes I think even Christians want to do that. You know, we look at it like, well, who was the historical Jesus outside of the Bible? You know, yeah, we need yeah. these extra biblical sources all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or these secular sources. Um Meanwhile, you know, the the Bible in the New Testament is one of the most credible sources. Um, and like like Sean was saying, with these firsthand, with, like these were written, like within a generation of this stuff I know, actually yeah, happening. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, Is is cool.
1: Well, I think it's just interesting, like what you're talking about, how everything that's biblical is automatically historical. Because yeah. it's just, you you know, you read the beginning of Luke, you read the beginning of Acts, and it says, and then you even re- read in Peter. And I'm kind of uh, paraphrasing it, but they say like, we've uh, gone to lengths to go to the eyewitnesses to write down exactly what we know to be true. So it's not just as if they're saying, hey, we're just going to make up some fairy tales or something like that. Like everything that's biblical is historical, Uh, Mm -hmm. but it's true. A lot of people, especially Christians too, they want to say, okay, well, where's the extra biblical? But it's like, sure, that can maybe help, but everything that's in the gospels about who Jesus is, is historical i mean sean was saying like, that's four separate different accounts yeah um and corinthians too so five six seven different accounts that speak to jesus death and l- life you know yeah
2: and i think we need to remember sometimes because when when we read the bible i think it's very easy to think like oh it's just a book you know like right. this is one yeah, book yeah. but no that's not what it is it's a compilation of different writings that have yeah, been yeah. put together so it's not like all these guys are like together and they're like okay let's write this about jesus yeah. you know no it's like these guys are from different places and stuff like that and and they write at different times yeah um and then it just makes it all the more incredible how yeah. these things you know can line up and exactly. these ideas about jesus you know are so you know um cohesive with each other yeah um is amazing
1: it's a great it's a great point and, and you know what
2: just to also
1: tell the readers um i'll, I'll put the link to this because i think it's really powerful below but there's a chart that you can see online uh, again i'll put the link below um that shows the number of manuscripts that the new testament has compared mm-hmm. to other ancient writings around that time, writing, uh, writings of Aristotle, Plato, uh, you know, uh, Homer's, uh, Ulysses, different things like that. Um, and you see the amount of copies they have. And like, honestly, like Aristotle and Plato, it's like under 50 or less you yeah. know, copies. Yeah. And then you look at like the percentage of their uh, similarities and like how close they are together. And they're all like, they're, they're okay, you know, but then you look to like, the, the New Testament manuscripts and there's I th- on it, thousands yeah. of manuscripts no, <laughs> you know yeah, and then yeah, you look at crazy. their you look at their similarities and it's like 99.9 or 99.5% and the .5% that's not similar is like some punctuation stuff but honestly like it's it, how can you not see that and be like this is historical this
2: really did yeah, happen you know I know it's incredible and I think the most incredible thing though that we we should really take a, away from this is remembering you know um, during the season what Christ has actually done yeah um, for us um, you know, you always hear it said, and it's true, that you can't have, uh, you can't really be celebrating Christmas with also um, not being looking forward to Easter. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? That, um, and just our young adults group, we talked about this the other day, the importance of Christ in this flesh. Mm. Um, and here you have this eternal, eternal Christ Yeah. Um, that was it. has always been, yeah. you know, in the Trinity. Um, and in that, didn't have to die. Like he was eternal right. um, in his being. And what he did was he put on flesh and on that he put on death as well mm-hmm. um, for us. So that's why it's so incredible, you know, this mm-hmm. Christmas time. It's this, his decision, you know, yeah. and, and through the Father and all that sort of theological yeah. stuff. But yeah. this decision to put on flesh yeah. to come and die Incarnate. for us. Yeah. yeah.
1: But anyways, that wraps up the End of Podcast. podcast. Um, if you want to connect with us further, please head to our website. Visit us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those different places. Well, I'm Isaac. I'm Jake. And we hope you join us next week as we host another conversation on life and faith. We'll see you then.
0: Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. InDoubt is a ministry that exists to engage young people with biblical truth and provide answers for many of today's questions of life, faith, and culture. Through audio programs, articles, and blogs, InDoubt reaches out to encourage, strengthen, and disciple young adults.
1: To check out all the resources of InDoubt, visit indoubt.ca in Canada or indoubt.com
0: in the U.S. Or if you're in a position or share a passion for the ministry of young people, you can support the ongoing mission of engaging a new generation with the truth of the Bible. First, you can pray for this ministry. And second, and if you are able, please consider a financial gift by visiting indoubt.ca in Canada or indoubt.com in the U.S. Your gift of any amount is such a blessing and an answer to prayer. Thanks.